Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. And welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. This is episode 57. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. Hello. Welcome. Hi. How's everyone doing? Uh, so we're talking about uh, The War Machines today, which is a William Hartnell first Doctor story um, mm-hmm. with uh, Dodo, Ben, and Polly. Polly. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking about that in uh, just a second. Before we do, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com where we like geeky stuff and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion as well as Movie Night at Geek Show, Have You Met Ted, Queen Witch, A Couple of Geeks, Geek Show Soundcheck, Super Geeks, and coming this fall, The Geek Show with Scott and Matt, the new flagship podcast for GeekShowEntertainment.com. And you can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. And if you listen to any of our shows and you like what you hear, or even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's TDC, as in The Doctor's Companion. All right, Matt, what do you got for background significance this week? Um, okay, well, The War Machines is the final story of William Hartnell's... I, I call it his final season because he has two more stories, and then uh, we hand it over to Patrick Troughton, but it's the very, very end of um, Hartnell's uh, uh, Doctor, uh, and it's so it's in the third season of Doctor Who, which is a very weird season, um, and it's, and it's, uh, the first time we're talking about Dodo, whose real name is Dorothea Chaplet, which is a horrible name. Um, I'll say it's also Ugh. the first appearance of Ben and Polly, who are perhaps most famous for being, um, the two companions who are around when the doctor regenerates for the first time. Um, Polly does not have a last name. Uh, they never say it. They never give her one because I don't know why they just, they just don't. That's um, okay. <laughs> I suppose she doesn't really need a last name. I mean, she has such good looks. It's um, true. It's true. <laughs> like Vicky, almost. Also, Vicky didn't have a last name, which is kind of weird. Um. Anyways, it's also uh, under the uh, the producership of um, Innes Lloyd, who's this who's this uh, producer who shows up halfway through Hartnell's uh, third season and then kind of takes over the show, steers it through. Troughton's first season and most of like the first half of Troughton's second season. Um, and that so would explain kind of why team. that would explain why this feels like a Troughton story. Yeah, it's it's got that sort of like base under siege feel that mm-hmm. Troughton 
stories always have. It's like bigger on action. Um, it's the first time the show actually returns to the 1960s after like, you know, we pick up Ian and Barbara in Unearthly Child and then we never really show up in the 1960s in, in like the quote unquote present day until um, until this story. So what about why. what about the Dalek invasion of Earth? Right? Isn't that what no? Is that's, that? that's that's set uh, two hundred years in the future. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay, yeah, two hundred two hundred years in the future. Um, so, like, this is the first time to to show up in the nineteen sixties, and this story is just like wall to wall. We're in the sixties, yo! Like, oh it's my just... god, it's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have you have like a big penchant for the sixties. I love the sixties. Oh, I love the sixties. Just love this. Um, and it's and it's overseen by um, it's written by Ian Stewart Black, who wrote the last story, which was The Savages, which I recently reviewed on the – or not me, but um, my girlfriend Cassandra recently reviewed on my um, Doctor Who blog. And it was a boring story. And I find this story is honestly a little bit boring, especially on rewatch. Like I've seen this story three times. It's my third time watching. And uh, oh, it's such a drag. Like so kind of boring and dull. But you don't really feel it the first time because you're just kind of swept up by the nostalgia, I suppose. Um it's also the departure of Dodo, which no. was is it possibly was the it? greatest. Was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she never shows up after this, so it must be her departure. Uh, it's not like Dodo came back and became like you know some some recall companion like Sarah Jane or something. I honestly forgot about her after the first episode. Like she went when, when she goes all computer zombie with everybody else. Like I forgot that she's the Doctor's companion. <laughs> I thought she was just some random woman. It's like, well, the interesting thing uh, about Dodo is like she's just like I've heard it said, and and I'm not the first person to say this, but it's it's very obvious that um she is a photocopy of a photocopy because like you have in the base of the show you have Susan who is like the doctor's granddaughter and like the surrogate child audience member who's like whose job is basically to ask the doctor oh what does that do and what is that um and then after susan you bring in vicky who we talked about when we talked about the time meddler and then dodo is basically a photocopy of vicky who is a photocopy of susan so dodo's kind of not super strong but like her leaving in this and being replaced by ben and polly really signals like a shift in the show because suddenly the show's not about this educational need of this um, this student character. Because she is, like... Dodo is, like, dressed up in the sort of way that, like, you know, if a very conservative mother would dress up her 17-year-old daughter before she goes to prom, you know? Like, that's what, <laughs> that's, what, that's what Dodo's wearing. And then you compare it to someone like Polly, who's probably wearing some crazy techno... Or not techno, but, you know, colorful, like, giant dress... Um, it's a, it's a stark contrast, which we'll talk about a little bit. But yeah, so it's the final story for Dodo, and it's the first for Ben and Polly, um, and it's very sixties, as evidenced by tons and tons of um, dancing, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> as one final thing, and this is just because I think this is really cool, uh, and this spoils the episode for you. So if you want to go watch it, I suppose you should not listen. But um, the idea for this story was came up, come up by uh, developed by Kid Peddler, who co-created the Cybermen, among other things, and he was, like, this new scientific advisor for Doctor Who. Um, And he had this idea 
Um, like I think Ennis Lloyd and I think Jerry Davis, who was the script editor at the time, uh, came up with this test to see how good you could be as a scientific advisor by um, showing the new postal tower that was in London and saying, tell me a story about that postal tower. What's a good basis for a story? And Kit Pedler came up with this idea for this computer that wants to connect with other computers and basically take over the world from this postal tower because it can't get out because of the postal tower. So, you know, alien and foreign, um, which is cool, but it also means that Hartnell's basically fighting the internet, um, <laughs> which is funny because we talked about Pertwee fighting the internet in, uh, the green death and now Hartnell's fighting the internet in the war machines. So <laughs> doctors against progressiveness. Apparently. Apparently, mm-hmm. so that's that's the War Machines. It's a it's an interesting sort of story, I suppose. Anyways, it is. It go. is. Um, well, before we get started with our discussion of the episode, this is a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Green Lantern: Secret Origin by Jeff Johns and Ivan Rice. Uh, this book is available for only twelve thirty nine, or thirty eight percent off the suggested retail price of nineteen ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Uh, it should also be noted that there's a trade paperback version of that that is um, under $10. So if you want a it's good reading. cheaper version. It is. It is. Especially if you want something better out of Green Lantern. Right. <laughs> yeah. Although, upon second reading, not that much better. <clears throat> <laughs> Well, we'll be talking about that in an audio blog coming to you guys very soon. Right, so um, check the website for that. <laughs> um, anyways, the War Machines. Yes. Uh, so, first of all, can I just mention how much I kind of really like the Hartnell-era title cards? Oh, yeah, it's pretty sweet. They're, like, themed for each story. I like that. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, that's only exclusive to this story. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's kind of weird. I know it's it's weird. I I kind of like it, although it's kind of hokey how it does like a drum roll and then hits a hits a little symbol crash when you hit the episode number. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I like how it's um it's white with black dots except for the last part, which is black with white dots. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a it's a cool touch I think. Um, yeah. And it helps pad out the episode's length, which helps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is so much padding in this story; it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Oh, you mean you mean the time when, <laughs> like the time when, is it who is he doing it to? Is it Dodo or Polly that Hartnell's like the doctor's just like counting? I think it's oh, I think it's Dodo. Dodo. Yeah, Dodo. he's just counting, and he's just like one, two, three, and I'm like, okay, he's done four, and I'm like, wait, really? <laughs> He's actually counting to 30. This is how we're going to spend five minutes. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I was like, it's, wow, it's pretty, they're short good. on time. <laughs> they're like, well, we, we, you know, we have these episodes. We just like to let them breathe, you know. Just, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I also, um, uh, the TARDIS, like, lands um, in, uh, you know, just in London, England, in what is the 60, what? It's like 1966, 67. Okay. Um, 66. So it 66, lands, 67, and 67. I, don't, I don't think I've ever noticed that Hartnell's TARDIS is, like, severely beat up and old. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it's a great touch, I think. Like, yeah. Just total, total. Um, it just gives it that, like, a really sort of nice 
feel, you know? Mm -hmm. And it really adds to the idea that, like, he stole it out of a junkyard, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or a museum or whatever it was, yeah. Definitely. Um, So, uh, yeah, so the TARDIS lands. uh, Dodo and the Doctor get out, and the Doctor's like, I'm in the 1960s, and Dodo's like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. And the Doctor's like, yeah, I guess. Um, And they... (laughs) Where's Dodo from? I don't. I honestly, I haven't looked into it, and this makes me a really bad host. Uh, but she first shows up in the story of the massacre, which I've been meaning to watch for about a year and a half now. Um, mm. <laughs> it's like I think it's going to be the last Hartnell story I ever watched, so I don't. I don't quite know. But she shows up at the end of that story, which I think takes place in modern-ish times, but I don't think so. I don't know exactly the when that takes place but she's basically from that era she's not like from the future or something like vicky was from the future okay i thought i thought he just like she's just like i'm gonna randomly stay in this time period <laughs> well i'm pretty sure it is that okay like, well because um i honestly i don't know like when uh this is because maybe i i don't god i'm looking like such a moron here but like i think the the massacre might take place in like the 60s but the, it it doesn't make a big deal about it being in the '60s, like the Doctor returning to like a modern era. Like this, very much feels no. The, sorry, the massacre can't take place that then because I've seen some screen caps and like the Doctor and Stephen are wearing like really awesome get-ups with like 18th century awesome. So it, it's got to be it's got to be at a different time. I'm sorry, I digress. So um, she does just randomly say, "I'm going to stay in the '60s." Pretty much, pretty much. Um, wow. So let's see. So um, they see this giant postal tower, which is really, really tall and kind of a landmark in England. Uh, It was very new at the time. And they're just like, hey, let's go there because the doctor suddenly gets his spider sense tingling and he's just like, I got to go up there. There's something evil there. So they go up and they visit this guy named Professor Brett who wears a bow tie. Um, And he's uh, and he's just like this is my computer Votan, which is spelled W O T A N. But apparently Professor Je- Professor Brett is kind of a Nazi, so he says it like Votan. Um, and we also meet Polly, who's like from the '60s. She's this leggy blonde played by Annika Wills, um, who like like I said doesn't have a last name. Uh, and she's a secretary, which is funny for reasons I'll elucidate in a much later story that we're eventually going to talk about. Um, anyway, so uh, the Doctor starts talking to uh, Votan and Dodo and the Doctor start questioning Votan and they're asking it like really stupid, simple questions that like anyone could answer but <laughs> I don't know. And it's wasting a lot of paper. Yeah, like tons of paper. Like this, the bu- the paper budget on Votan must have been just like non-existent, just because they are just killing trees. Yeah. Like just, it is ridiculous. It's just um, like the amount of paper for like a one-line math equation. Like, I just, ridic- I was like, wow. <laughs> well, it had to go around it in an abstract way. Like that's how computers think. Like they don't, they don't really think from a term of like base numerics. Mm. I don't know. I don't know anything about computers. I'm sounding like such a... I don't know anything today, but whatever. Also, another thing that I I thought was really funny is that um, all of the location shooting is silent. Yes. Like, no music? No, 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 no. Like, there's music and there's sound effects, but it's obviously all done in post. Because, like, none of the characters speak to each other when (laughs) it's location shooting. I guess to save on, like, audio equipment. 
Mm-hmm. So they're just like they're just suddenly like not talking to each other and doing everything like they're mimes. Oh, weird! That explains the really giant like Doctor Dodo hug that they have. Uh huh. Random. <laughs> yeah. Random. Um. Let's see. So they're questioning Votan and the Doctor and Professor Brett start talking and they're like they're like, well, Votan wants to connect to all the other computers and be a big centralized supercomputer. And the Doctor's like, that's weird. Um. And so they're going to test it very soon. And we have this really interesting dynamic where uh, Polly's like, well, I'll take care of Dodo for now. Doctor, you just go to the Royal Scientific Club for no real reason. And then uh, we and get I'll... a sexy, sexy 60s dance party. Yeah, it's a sexy 60s dance party. It's just like... It's, like... it's like so ridiculous and over the top, I was waiting for Austin Powers to show up. It looked like it. Like, the the (laughs) ground was crazy. The camera, like, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention this time, but I always, whenever I think of it, I always remember, like, massive, like, like, quick zoom in, quick zoom out, quick zoom in, quick zoom out, you know, like, just, like, to capture the feel of pulsing music and, like, just dancing. And, (laughs) but the mute, but there's, there's hardly any music because they obviously couldn't afford to, like, pay the royalties to have any real music playing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like this really generic temp music that kind of sounds like '60s dance music, but not at all. It's almost like it's almost like someone brought this in, and they were like so embarrassed by the music selection, but they didn't have time to switch it out that they're just like playing in the background. So the guy's just like, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so we're in this club, and people are dancing, and it's so '60s, which which you love. Um. And uh, we meet, and Polly is like a, a regular here, and it's really interesting seeing like Polly in the middle of the '60s and Dodo just not fitting in at all, uh, which <laughs> should tell you something. Um, and and Polly hears from the bartender that there's this guy who's looking for this sailor named uh, named Ben, and Ben shows up, and he's like this like lovelorn kind of Cockney talking. Uh, sailor dude and he's like all dejected and sad because well honestly I don't remember but he's totally into Polly and he's calling her Duchess and all that and this guy hits on Polly and Ben like basically like roughs him up like Ben just like beats the crap out of him which is awesome because Ben's like played by Michael Craze who's this little tiny scrawny dude and like this guy is like I this guy is just like this big towering figure, and Ben just like kicks the crap out of him, and then says huh, he was just leaving, and the guy just kind of leaves, which is which is funny. Um, because I don't know, Ben just like Ben just like beats him up. It was just it was funny. Um, anyways, uh, the doctor <laughs> goes to the Royal Scientific Club, and he meets this guy named Sir Charles, who is this big portly guy with a bald head. Um. And and uh, starts listening to the discussion of Wotan and all this. And while this is going on, uh, Professor Brett, the guy with the bow tie, is st- is hanging out in in the top of the post office tower with Wotan, and he all of a sudden gets possessed by Wotan for no reason. Like Wotan <laughs> just sends out these psychedelic sort of waves and creepy music. And all of a sudden, Professor Brett is just completely taken over by Votan, and then just like, just like, just like leaves. Like it's so weird. Like I don't, I don't even know what it is. Um, Computer or maybe zombies. I think, he, yeah, I think he calls someone first. Like I think he makes a phone call first. Um, 
Anyway, so he leaves. He goes to the Royal Scientific Society, and he picks up this guy who has really crazy glasses. I don't remember his name. He's got crazy glasses. Um, he's a scientist with crazy glasses. And um, and the doctor's like, that's weird. And Sir Charles is like, that's weird. And the doctor and Sir Charles are like, you want to team up? And the doctor's like, sure. Um, and then uh, the phone call that, that – um, Professor Brett made, he leaves the phone by Votan, and Votan calls up the bar, and the bar, um, the bartender, uh, is like, oh, who's this? And there's a person on the other side. I think there's actually a person in there. I think I'm gonna call him Major Mustache. Um, it's appropriate. He has a ridiculous mustache, and that's all I remember of him, just cause he just. He has a ridiculous mustache. And he calls and he's like, I'm looking for Dodo. And the chick's like, is Dodo in the house? And Dodo's like, hello. And uh, Major Mustache leaves the phone by um, by Votan. And Votan sends out its its super psychic signals. And it takes over Dodo. And Dodo heads over to the, to the, to the, to the post office tower. And Votan now is starting to take over people by possessing them. And brainwashing them, and there's Dodo, so there's Dodo, Professor Brett, the guy with the, the glasses and major mustache, and they're all like, you know, this is Votan, Votan's new security force, and <laughs> I gotta know what you think about this because this is so like, there's no defending this, there's just there's none, but Votan goes, <laughs> Doctor Who is required, and it's like, and what? then I killed myself. <laughs> Cause like, cause, cause Votan took over Dodo because basically it wants um, the doctor to take over to to man the war machines that are gonna that are gonna be like leading this Votan army or whatever, and it just goes Doctor Who is required. I need Doctor Who, and it's, and it's just not like, even it's not even just that. All of the computer zombies call him Doctor Who through the rest of the serial. Yep. Like what I. Yep. How did that happen? I don't know. That's just that. Well, I mean, if you look at if you look at the credits, like every all the doctors up until Jonathan Nathan Turner takes over at the end of Tom Baker, all the doctors are credited as Doctor Who. Ugh. Yep. Yep. So, like, if you look at any per- Hartnell, Troughton, Pertwee, or most of Colin ba- or Tom Baker, uh, you'll see in the credits that he, they're all credited as uh, Doctor Who, not the Doctor. Ugh. And as a result, we are now stuck with having people say he's the, he's the new Doctor Who, which is I don't know I don't I'm not a fan. No, me either. I hate that. It drives Although, me Although my favorite thing, and I did not look this up because I'm apparently unprofessional today. Um, in the credits, I don't know if you saw this, but Votan gets his own credit. What? <laughs> which, yes. Like, I was watching it, and, like, there's, like, you know, like, you know, Professor Brett is played by this guy, and Dodo is played by Jackie Lane, and, and Annika Wills plays Polly, and then at the end, it just says, and Votan. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it doesn't even say who did the voice or anything, it just says... No, it just says, and Votan. <laughs> Which I think, like, I noticed that, and I was watching it with my, my girlfriend Cassandra, and I was just like, are you kidding? Like... Votan gets his own credit. Like, do they want and us Votan to as himself? <laughs> yeah, I wish. If only it had said that, I would have. I would have died. Like, it would have been so good. I. Oh God. <laughs> or it was oh. like, and and Votan played by the computer bot three thousand. Like, <laughs> like another computer name. <laughs> I. Oh. 
God, I would have loved that. Like, that's the only thing that would make the Votan credit better. But even then, why does Votan get his own credit? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't so random. So random. Uh. Anyways, so um, we come back to part two. We get a repeat of the Doctor Who is required thing, which just to, like just to hammer it home, yeah. just to hammer another nail into Scott's coffin, just just <laughs> just to stab it a little bit. And then not only do we get a repeat, but then right after that, the guy in the bow tie is just like, "We need we need to find Doctor Who. Doctor Who is required. We need to find Doctor Who." I'm like, "Stop saying it." <laughs> He literally really he says it like as many times as possible, like he's doing it on purpose to annoy me. <laughs> well, honestly, I think that's what it was. Like, if if I, if I could be honest, like the production team just really had it into you on in it for you on this story. Like, we're gonna give you the best thing ever, which is tons of sixties. We're also gonna stab you in the heart by just calling him Doctor Who over and over again. Oh my god! Well, mission accomplished. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, my favorite thing about Professor Brett, and this is one of my biggest peeves on the serial, because I didn't notice this the first time, but basically because Votan is a computer and you can't really ha- have a computer talking too much, although why it says anything, I don't know, but Professor Brett... How does it hypnotize the, people? Don't know that yeah, either. Yeah, hypnotize people. That's why you have the hypnotize people. Like, Professor Brett and the, and the glasses-wearing scientist are literally there just to dump exposition at nobody like i don't know if you notice this but there's just entire scenes of this story that is literally just professor brett and the scientist guy literally delivering lines just off camera like not like just not looking not quite looking at the camera literally just for the sake of doing it not for each other because they are certainly not in a conversation like it is so fracking sloppy i'm just like really really <laughs> it's there's a lot of telling in this story oh um, my so the doctor um so they're like well we need doctor who we need doctor who and to them i say doctor who and <laughs> easy joke but i'm not above it um the the doctor shows up at the bar and he and he meets with polly and ben and polly are hanging out He's like, where's, where's Dodo? And they're like, shrug face. And he's like, okay. So they decide to wait around for Dodo. And they wait around until she is, um, until the bar closes and the bartender kicks him out. But just as she's kicking him out, Dodo shows up. And Dodo, as we know, has been brainwashed by Votan and is trying to bring the doctor in. Uh, they all go outside and they're, they're going to call a cab. And <laughs> there's this this great part where they pull up the cab pulls up this old guy gets out of the cab and is just like i can't pay and the cabbie's like really and it's like this homeless vagrant how he got into the into the cab in the first place i don't know i would not have let him in my cab um then again i'm not a cab driver that's why um <laughs> you would judge people like that yeah exactly no exactly i'm not above profiling is what i'm trying to say <laughs> i'm just i'm not above it why not it keep it keeps me safe. It keeps me safe. And I wouldn't lose fares. I mean, this it's completely practical. You might frown on it, but honestly, at the end of the day, you're the one who ends up shot or without a fare or both. So there you go. I mean, I, I'm just – it's just me winning. Like, that's all. And are you going to judge me? Fine. But I've got the money in my pocket and not a bullet hole in my head. So it's, it's okay. Um that was so a joke that went way too far. 
and is still funny because you're still laughing. So I don't regret it at all. Um, <laughs> although I hope, I honestly hope we don't get emails for that. Um, anyways, anyways, anyways. So while this is going on, the doctor and Dodo are hanging out, and Doctor's like, "I was so worried about you." And Dodo like looks over, and randomly in like some shady looking alley are these two guys just staring at them, and one of them has a jar of chloroform and a handkerchief, and Dodo's like, "Hey, let's go this way," and the doctor's like, "Are you sure?" And she's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "All right," but just as he's about to go, because like. For some reason, Dodo is not, like, if you're going to pick one person to try to get the doctor to, like, (laughs) go to the top of the radio tower so that Votan can take him over, Dodo is clearly not the person you pick because she is terrible at it. Like, (laughs) she, she is, she is fracking awful at this job. So, like, she can't even, she can't even, like, get the doctor to go down this alley with the guy with the chloroform. And the doctor is, like, ready to do it. Ben and Paul are like, hey, we got this cab. So they, um... They they get in the cab and they drive off. I guess they're gonna stay with Sir Charles for the night. And then we get this we get this random creepy vagrant, the guy who couldn't pay for his cab, is like just wanders into this warehouse like for no real reason. And all of a sudden we he comes across tons of people who are building a war machine, and they're one of many warehouses. And here's my question, okay? Three hours ago, Votan had no followers. Now, <laughs> Votan has half of London on his side. And if it's this easy to get half of London on your side, can't you just keep, like, blind calling people a la Dollhouse and trying to brainwash them? I mean, did you, did you notice how fast this This is This was fast. Like, and <laughs> It never occurred a, to me until you just said it, but yeah. They, they have a total operation. Votan is in, like, he's shipping in, like, crates marked with the Votan symbol. Like, where is this coming from? This must, like, this is a great operation. Like, Votan is a go-getter. Like, he is just getting things done right now. Like, it is insane. Isn't, the, um, isn't I, like, the first war machine even, like, pretty much built at this point? Yeah, it's, like, all they have to do is, like, shove on the giant stop sign, and it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, it's almost there. Let me just say, let me just say that the War Machine kind of looks like a mix between the Ed 209 and Bender. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember... When I like, I wanted to see the story for a long time because I heard the title and I was like, "Oh, that's a really cool title." And then I clicked the picture on, I, I clicked the article on Wikipedia and I saw a picture of a war machine. I was like, "Wow, I've got to see this story like right away because, oh my god, is it phenomenal? Like, it just, it just, it looks so completely insane. Like, it's just, it's so bulky and unwieldy, and it's, oh, it's, it's, ins- we'll, we'll talk about it more in a little bit. But oh my god, do I love the design of the war machines? Just." <laughs> It's ludicrous. Like, it, it's it's completely it, insane. It has a face. Like it has a face. <laughs> it, it looks like it honestly looks like something that would be on Futurama and Bender would hit on it. <laughs> and then it would like it would bonk it on the head with its stop sign, which by the way, that is not an effective sh- close range weapon at all. Like, sure it is. No, no, no it's not. No. <laughs> there is there is no like horizontal like w- like width to it like you have to be literally standing right under it. Do you know how easy it is to roll out from under that thing? Like easy. I, I don't know. It, it rolls that one guy later. 
Oh my god, I cannot wait to talk about that guy. That guy is possibly my favorite thing in the whole serial. Um, because <laughs> you know why. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about it. Um, so, so they, he stumbles across this operation, and the, Votan has tons of people, and apparently this is one of 12 warehouses that Votan is operating at this point. And like... God, Votan does not lose any like any time or anything. Like it's it's amazing. And then all of us and Professor Brett is here. So like <laughs> that tells you how much Votan cares about Professor Brett. Like he's overseeing a couple of like men who are just, you know, building a war machine. <laughs> There's this alarm that goes off and then all of a sudden Professor Brett picks up the microphone and goes, "Warning, warning, someone has infiltrated the base." And like proceeds to narrate the events of what's going on. Like and the worst part is, this guy is not the last guy to do that, because this happens at least two more times in this story. Like, just, just like, just shouting out warnings, like, Votan can get together, like, an operation like this, at least splurge on some, like, some, some sexy computer voice or something, you know, <laughs> just, just something. But no, this guy's gotta narrate the events like a poor schlub. Um, so, the, uh, the, 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 um, this guy... This vagrant uh, basically falls under siege from a couple of workers, and he's like taken out and uh, supposedly killed. We never see it. Why he's killed, I don't know. Because apparently they need all the workforce they can get, but they just decide to kill people for no reason. Because Votan doesn't care about people. Um, <laughs> they're just labor, but he doesn't even use them for labor. I don't even understand it. Um, anyways. Um, the next morning, we cut over to Sir Charles's place where Dodo and the Doctor have spent the night, um, and uh, they're getting breakfast ready, and Polly shows up. Apparently, Polly... Like, this is so weird. Polly showed up for work at the top of the radio tower and basically got told that Professor Brett doesn't need her today, so she goes and works as a secretary for Sir Charles. Again, why Votan just lets her go beyond me. Just <laughs> completely beyond me. Just... You, you, because they use her later as a workforce. Like I don't understand. I don't understand it. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Anyways, this is possibly. Uh, this is also. There's just so many great, like ridiculous parts of the story. But <laughs> Dodo basically walks in and goes, "Why don't you call Professor Brett? I think Professor Brett would like to speak to you. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Let's just go visit Professor Brett. Like she is just not shutting up. Like she has no concept of subtlety at all. And." <laughs> Somehow, somehow, God knows how, she manages to convince the doctor that he should call Professor Brett. So he calls Professor Brett. Professor Brett picks up the phone, basically sets the phone down by Votan, and Votan starts to brainwash the doctor, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap! And then... But the doctor, like, is strong and not human, so he basically gets to, um... Gets to, you know, uh, just postpone it and say, oh, my God, my, my, my head is ringing, and it doesn't feel good, and this is insane... And Dodo, like, not getting it, not getting it at all, basically goes, it's okay, you're one of us now, you're with Votan, it's okay, this is normal. And the doctor's like, wait, what are you talking about? And she's like, um, don't you know? <laughs> like, not even, like, thinking to pause, she just goes, don't you know? Like, this is, this is why we made you do the phone call. And the doctor's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so she tries to leave, and the doctor's like, hang on. And she stops and listens to him instead of running. And <laughs> the doctor realizes that she's under control from this computer and basically hypnotizes her into believing that she shouldn't be anymore. Um, 
and which is takes forever, like you were saying. Like just he counts to five. He just <laughs> I don't I don't know. And everyone's all worried about Dodo, and Dodo's like, like she's like. He's like, she's gonna sleep for forty eight hours, and then, um, and then she'll be fine. And Sir Charles is like, well, the the city's not safe. Let's send her out to the countryside. My wife can look after her because apparently that's the job of wives in the sixties. I didn't say it; they did. Um, and, <laughs> and they basically walk Dodo out, um, which which is cool. Um, <laughs> also funny. Um, and the doctor, uh, basically, uh is like okay well that's that's kind of sad um so the doctor basically keeps hanging out we get our first look at the war machine and it's like again votan has no concept of workforce because they get the first war machine working and then there's this guy who's just working randomly and i think it's professor brett or major mustache i don't remember but one of them is just like stop working come over here and they put it in front of the in front of the in front of the war machine and the war machine has these two guns that basically look like modified dalek cannons um but instead of shooting laser blasts like any proper you know exciting sci-fi action robot <laughs> scott <laughs> tell me what does votan what does votan's war machine shoot to kill people <laughs> It shoots out fog, but don't worry, it has a fog light. <laughs> so we can continue to see. Just just the carnage that is happening. So, Votan, like this, I keep calling it Votan, but it's this war machine. This war machine shoots a, like fog at this guy, and the guy just goes down. Just like a bitch. Just dead. Just like... No warning. Like, and it's just like, it is just like, this is why I love Doctor Who. Just for stuff like this. Because you could never get away with this now. But 1966, this is like badass. But there you go. Because, oh man, it's awesome. Oh, it's awesome. Um, anyways. So we're almost, we're almost done with this episode. But, um, we get, uh, uh Ben shows up at Sir Charles's place. And, and he's like, Polly's missing. Why he knows Polly's missing, I don't know. Polly just randomly happened to go missing. Um, and the doctor's like, hey, why don't you go to the warehouse where we were last night for some reason. Go check it out. See if you can find anything. And Ben, you know, kind of infiltrates the warehouse and he starts looking around. And <laughs> he starts seeing the war machine testing and, like, moving around, like, <laughs> just... Using its stop signs, because its arms are stop signs that it uses to karate chop desks in half. <laughs> and, and, it, and its other action is to, uh, to like, roll around menacingly, because it just, like, it moves like a Dalek. So it just, like, tumbles boxes and stuff. And our cliffhanger is the war machine closing in on Ben, and we're not even sure if it sees Ben or not. But it's a terrible cliffhanger. It's just, oh, God, it's not good. It's really bad. Um, All of the cliffhangers are bad. <laughs> I, I have an argument, but but not on this one. Um, so so that's because the first the one two. was Doctor Who, which immediately <laughs> makes it a terrible cliffhanger. They can't the even get the main just... character's name right. Number two, the second cliffhanger was awful because it's just like a light shining on Ben and he's backing up. Like, yeah, it's, oh, it's pathetic. It it's is pathetic. And uh, we'll talk about the third cliffhanger in a little bit, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, so that's the halfway point. Um, 
Go us. Yeah. Anyways. So, part three. <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. This story just, it's so padded. Like, there's not much happening. No. But, like, <laughs> part three, Ben basically gets away by just kind of running away. Um, <laughs> we get more stop sign karate chop action, but Ben kind of runs away, and the mustache, major mustache, Suddenly, is like that we have an intruder in the building, and he basically starts narrating events as they're happening, which is totally necessary. Um, <laughs> and Ben is like just about to escape, and he comes across Polly, and Polly has evil eyes. Um, and by evil eyes, I mean she just has a look of like she looks like she's gonna kill you on her face, <laughs> um, just like just like the ultimate stink eye is what it is. Um, and she, she just like she's just like I don't want you to leave. And Ben's like, why not? And she she goes she goes because I serve Votan and I don't want to kill you. And so then she raises the alarm and Ben is uh, trapped and forced to work for Votan. Now and they they thrash <laughs> around a lot. They do. It's, it's tons ridiculous. Of it looks like a hair metal concert. Like yeah, if 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 a hair metal concert met like a three legged race, like yeah, it's just, you know, <laughs> it, it's just it's kind of it's kind of perfect. It's just um, hair and heads everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty like Ben puts up a strong fight, but man, does he? He's just about twenty. Does he? Because it really just looks like he's thrashing around. <laughs> See, I just think he's just twenty years too early for for a hair metal or something. Like, uh, that's just, maybe, yeah. 20 years too early. Um, <laughs> so, so Ben is brought before the war machines and the, and the, and major mustache and all these other people. And <laughs> again, I have no idea what Votan is doing, but it's clearly not very effective because Votan has the ability to just massive mass brainwash people. But instead of mass brainwashing Ben, they're just like, we're going to force you to work hard labor and we're not going to brainwash you. Why? No reason. There is no reason for Because this. it's convenient for the script. It's totally convenient. It's totally convenient. And it's not like anyone was like, it's not like any, like, any of the workers was like, hey, shouldn't we, like, it wasn't, well, I know why they didn't say this, which I'll explain it. Well, it's not like one of the workers said, shouldn't we brainwash him? And I think the reason for that is because Major Mustache would have just karate chopped him in the neck. Um, <laughs> For no reason, um, it's just been like you insolent dog or whatever, um, because you know you can't question Votan. Um, <laughs> oh my god, we're getting to that. We're we're getting to that. We're getting to that. Um, <laughs> the, so <laughs> while this is going on, I think I should just point out that the Doctor and Sir Charles are still hanging out at Sir Charles's place, which means that we've basically gone an entire episode without the Doctor actually leaving this house. Um, <laughs> and we get some some more heavy dialogue from Professor Breton and this guy with glasses who are basically like, well, the war machines have to be ready by noon because if they're not ready by noon, then, then Votan's plans would be foiled. Why noon? No reason. Why not daybreak? No reason. Just <laughs> Votan has a schedule and we got to keep to the schedule. We got we to gotta do it. Um, <laughs> so, and we get like, just again, more exposition to nobody. Like they're not actually discussing anything. They're just saying things to say them, which is <laughs> mad convenient for us. Um, <laughs> it's, 
It's really great writing. I mean, it's a phenomenal, just next level writing. It's almost, it's almost good man goes to war writing. Oh snap! Um, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm still bitter about the showing no telling thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I liked that story more. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, we come back to the warehouse, and this is possibly my favorite thing. But oh, the god. warehouse. Oh like, god, I love this. There's this pot- there's this fire brigade line, and Major Mustache is overseeing it, and he's like, and he's like, we all must work for Votan. We all must work for the war machines. There will be no one tired. And this guy takes a second to wipe his brow, and Major Mustache <laughs> just walks over to him, karate chops him in the neck, and kills him with a karate chop. It is phenomenal. And, and he then he goes, there will be- <laughs> the war machine just rolls away. <laughs> The war machine just like goes to him and then and just like rolls him off into the distance. Like I thought, I, I thought it was gonna come like run him over, just like you know, like double Nom tap, or like a double tap. <laughs> you know, like that's what I thought yeah. what it was happening. And then he got up to him and it just started rolling him away, like really gently, like <laughs> just like a gentle push, you know, kind of like yeah. a push broom. It's it's like I don't understand like I don't understand why the war machine pushes him away. Like apparently this is what we built these giant, really expensive war machines for. It's just a snowplow. <laughs> it's just a highly intelligent snowplow. <laughs> My question, why did Major Mustache just kill this guy? You need the labor. Like <laughs> you just he just karate chops him for no reason. No reason. There is no reason given for this. Uh, it is it is it is the greatest moment of this serial, I'm convinced. It um, is. It is. It's it's glorious. <laughs> he, just, he literally like the guy's just standing there wiping his brow and <laughs> major mustache just karate chops him for no reason. He's just like uh, ah. just, <laughs> <laughs> The guy just, just he goes down. Like, arms first, and just, like, <laughs> flops onto the ground. There will be no resting, and then the war machine just comes over. Giant military weapon, and just pushes him away. <laughs> just rolls him off. Just just so good. I love classic Doctor Who so much. And it should be noted, um, it should be noted, maybe, maybe you guys aren't understanding what we mean by roll. We mean, like, literally, he is rolling. Like, ro- <laughs> like his entire body is rolling on the ground. Like... He's on his he's on his back and then he rolls to his stomach and then he rolls to his back and then he <laughs> yeah. rolls to his stomach. Like, <laughs> like we don't just mean like it pushes him off camera. Like I mean he's literally rolling. It's like it's like you're rolling a tortilla. Like it just yeah. it looks like that. It's it's completely insane. Oh my god. Um, anyways, <laughs> So we cut over to Ben and Polly, where Polly's working really hard, and Ben's like, why are you working so hard? And she's like, because Votan demands it. And he's just like, really? And he just kind of stops working and starts talking to her. And he's just like, he's just like, because I'm not worried about not working. And she's like, this is for the cause and for the thing. And Ben's just like, well, I'm getting out of here. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah. And so he just kind of walks off and, you know, passes by a major mustache and just kind of leaves Polly gives him the evil eye, but then she just kind of doesn't say anything and just keeps moving. So, that happened. Um, 
And then Ben runs over to Sir Charles's place and basically gives a running detail of the warehouse um, and what's and what's going on with that. Like just saying, oh, they're building all these war machines and they're planning something really big and they've got Polly. He won't shut up about how much they've got Polly. Like he's just like they've got Polly. I don't have Polly. What the hell? Um, and and uh, the doctor and Sir Charles are like, okay, well, well, we need to uh, we need to have a con- we need to we need to call up the military and we need to call people in. Um, and so. He has this really, like, he has this really long extended phone conversation for no reason. Like, you hear every word that is said on his end of the phone conversation. You don't hear the other half. You just hear him <laughs> dumping stuff like, mm-hmm, yes. Yes, I think we should ride on. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, we should send in military room to the uh, to the warehouse over on 35th Street. <laughs> well, the policeman, the police will just get taken out right away. Uh huh. Yes, I think we should do that. And then right after that conversation, Hartnell counts to thirty, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for the next scene to begin, basically. Um, <laughs> and then we cut. We cut back to the warehouse where Polly gets in trouble because she lets this guy go. <laughs> There's nothing that's happened in this episode. Like nothing has happened in this episode. Polly gets reprimanded for letting someone go. Me, I would have reprimanded Major Mustache for killing somebody with a karate chop. Um, but that's that's just me. Um, I also have in my notes, uh, where's Dodo? Because I don't know where she went, and I'm waiting for her to turn up again because, I don't know, I missed the companion. Maybe she just had a week off. I think she just had a week off is what I think happened. Um, then we get this cool army sequence, which I think I'm going to YouTube, which will be on the comments for the episode, where the army basically busts into the warehouse and they start shooting up the war machines, but the machine just keeps taking people out with its with its fog machine and... And war and like these warehouse workers are like struggling with them, and there's you know there's action and and the guns don't work because of I guess because of the fog. Um, I also want to mention the fact that I love all of the crazy awesome camera angles in these early Hartnell and Troughton stories. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the hard clo- like the hard zoom ins and stuff. Like I, I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm, no, no, I I agree. I think they're I like those. they're like total like they're total zeitgeisty. You know, like they just feel so era. Uh huh. Um, I th- I tend to equate them more in the in the Persian era, but man, they loved Zoom back then. Like, yeah. God, they just loved Zoom. I don't know. I feel like they're more stylized here than in the Pertwee era because they're I definitely agree. there in the Pertwee era, but they they feel more like uh, like like soap opera zoom ins, you know, dramatic yeah, zoom ins. Whereas here, they're just they. At some points they're kind of random, but they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Like and the I think I think too, like the... the angle that they end up on is what's the most interesting thing about the zoom. Yeah, ins. they do one on the postal tower that I think is really clever. Like yeah. it just it feels so quintessentially in nineteen sixties that I really like. Yeah, um, yeah, I love I yeah, love I those agree. zoom ins. I think it's cool. I love them. Um, let's see. So there's this, and I like these battles because they just feel so completely improvised. Like. Because you know that they didn't have time to, like, choreograph them or anything. So they basically just started a camera and basically said, okay, you have to win this fight and you have to win this fight. And when you're done with that fight, go find this other player. Like, it was very haphazard and just, like, tossed in. So, like, you know that the guy was who was directing this was just, like, was just cutting to different angles and just saying zoom in, zoom in, zoom out, stuff like that. Like, it, it's all very, like, it feels very slapped together, but in a very sort of avant-garde sort of way. Well, and, um, it's, and which, it, it's sort of done in a way, like, where you know i would love to see um you know because they they've talked about it in the modern era uh trying to get edgar wright to direct an episode and i would love mm-hmm. to see him direct an episode as an homage to like the classic who 
Mm-hmm. Like and and I agree. directed in that style. Like I think it'd be really it'd be really cool. Cuz like I feel like doing it any other way, like I'd love to see him direct it, direct an episode of Doctor Who, but I feel like any other way his style would kind of stick out a little bit. Yeah. You know? But if I if he's doing it sort of like as as a um homage to this, like I feel like it could it could work, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it, it it would look really cool, like because mm-hmm. Edgar Wright has that really good uh, angle sort of thing, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, I agree. So let's see. So the military is fighting. I'm going to YouTube this. So if you want to see it, it's kind of cool. Um, and then the 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 attacks sort of spill out into the into this alleyway. The military is in full retreat because their guns aren't working, which is basically like the Centauran stratagem, I suppose. Um, and then what I I really like this cliffhanger because I like any moment for Hartnell to be kind of a badass, but like basically everyone starts to run away from the war machine, but Hartnell kind of stands his ground um, as the war machine bears down on him, and that's really where we end the episode. No, it's um, not. It'll be no, on it's YouTube. Not. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> he does not stand his ground. He walks forward with his legs spread all the way out, one leg at a time. <laughs> like yeah. Really slow and cheesily, and then it looks like he's, like, trying to sneak up on the machine until the machine turns its light on him, and then he stands upright rigid. And that's where we land. he a little bit. Yeah, and that's where we end. Which makes no sense for when we come back, because when we come back, he's not stepping toward the thing. (laughs) It's, It's the way that I said the cliffhanger should be, which is, like, everyone's in a line, Everyone backs away and like leaves him standing there, mm-hmm. and I agree. and that's that's badass enough, I think. And like him stepping toward toward the thing, like I don't know, I thought it was kind of cheesy. And no, bad. I I agree. I think they could have executed it a little better, but I like I like more the feel of it than anything. You know, like that's mm-hmm. really where I'm coming from from it. Like I just I like that feel. I I agree that they could have done it better because I I, feel I just like it's almost a wasted opportunity. But. I just I think the execution was bad. <laughs> fair fair point. Yeah. Fair point. Um, I I appreciate the effort of trying to make Hartnell mm-hmm. a BA, but right. you know, right right. I got you. I got you. Um, so we come back. Uh, the doctor's staring down this war machine, and then. Uh, honestly, I don't know how this works, but the war machine just kind of loses it and kind of like careens off to one side and just kind of just like loses it and starts going wild and doesn't really know where to go. doesn't fire off anything, but it's just like just randomly decides that it's not going to attack Hartnell. And, <laughs> and <laughs> Sir Charles is just like, well, how did you know? How did you know it was going to do this? And the doctor's like, well, I figured it wasn't fully programmed. And I'm like, really, Doc? <laughs> That's the way. That's the way you you're gonna get out of this by basically making a blind shot in the dark that this war machine, which has proved very capable before now, you're just basically gonna say, nope. I think it's I think it's gonna I think it's not gonna work this time. That uh, not the best reasoning, old man. That's all I gotta say to you. Um, <laughs> so um, the doctor starts to. Uh, Piece the things together, and he figures out that the war machines are going to attack at noon. Uh, we get this appearance from Major Mustache, who basically goes, "I don't, I don't remember anything," and is really bad at acting. Um, <laughs> the acting in this story is not super great. I'm not gonna <laughs> no, lie, it's not. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so then we get randomly this 
rogue war machine, which basically just kills a guy and then starts rampaging through the streets of London. <laughs> which is not no remotely reason. threatening in any way. Yeah. Just, like, if I saw that thing coming outside, like, I would literally be like, did it snow earlier? Are those are the is, plows is out? A <laughs> is there a parade in town? Why is it? Is it a giant fog machine? I don't understand. Is um, that Mr. Plow? I think Homer's driving that. It's, it's really strange. Um, I didn't know so Springfield was in London. <laughs> <laughs> it just moved there for this episode. Um, oh. So this rogue war machine is kind of just trolling around the city. And the doctor says, well, I want to trap this, ro- this uh, rogue war machine uh, by using this uh, trundle thing, like this, these cables. Um and so he, they managed to trick this war machine into this, into this little trap. And I think I'm going to YouTube this too, just because I already have it YouTubed. But like, the war machine comes down the street and sees that there's these these cables, and they plan to trap it in an electric field and disable it so that the doctor can reprogram it. And it just kind of like it sees that there's this. Like this, this, this field coming up, and there's all these military guys just hanging out, waiting to like trap the war machine once it's inside this box, including Ben. And <laughs> it just like the war machine sees that it's there, kind of thinks about it a little bit, and says, "I'm gonna go for it." It just kind of, kind of trundles into that little box and gets trapped, and then you know gets disabled, and the doctor starts to reprogram it, which is you know. Very anticlimactic. It feels like we're racing through the story right now, but I'm gonna be honest, not much. This this takes forever to happen. Like this <laughs> is like halfway through the episode. Um, so uh, the doctor uh, reprograms the the war machine and says, "Go back to Votan." Uh, so the doctor, Sir Charles, and I, some other guy, uh, head back to Votan, and they realize. And Ben, for some reason, is like, is like, well, Polly's up at the radio tower with with Votan because she needed to get reprogrammed. How he knows, I don't know. Um, and he goes up to the top of the ra- to the postal tower, and he rescues Polly just before what is also the greatest part of the serial. This war machine trundles into the Votan the Votan room and just blows the crap out of Votan which is hilarious because I don't know if you thought about this how the hell did the war machine get up there <laughs> Do, is there like is there like a scene where the war machine just gets in the in the elevator and it's just kind of chilling for a little bit I mean oh my god I wish that was here <laughs> I mean, that's all that's missing. And there's like this awkward scene where the doctor's just kind of hanging out right next to it while the elevator music plays, and it just kind of is like traveling upwards. And because it's like, how how does it get up there? I don't know. They never explain it. It's just there. It's awesome. I wish I want the scene of the war machine just chilling out in that in that elevator with just, like I'm, with like the music. Yes, yes. Do 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 do. Maybe the war machine just kind of starts moving from side to side and you get the feeling that this robot understands humanity for once right before it blows up. Um, so so the war machine kills one of the glasses guys. Uh, it destroys Votan, which, which blanks out all the brainwashing, and the day is saved. Uh, we then cut over back to the TARDIS where the doctor's just kind of waiting <laughs> And then Ben and Polly show up for no reason. And they're just like, hey, Doctor, we just wanted to say thank you. Thanks for thanks for everything. 
thanks for thanks for saving the day, and you were kind of awesome. And the doctor's like, oh, that's great. I'm just waiting for Dodo. And they're like, oh, we saw her. She said that she decided to stay in the 1960s and that you would understand. And the doctor's like, what? <laughs> and I don't know about you, man, but I, the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, my God, that is epic. They literally... <laughs> They literally wrote Dodo out two episodes ago and basically just had a, oh, by the way, she hasn't really shown up, but ah, she's gone. Um, she's not coming back. Th- thanks for nothing. She's just, that's it. That's it for Dodo. Um, and <laughs> there, at the time, there had to have been Dodo fans, people who were just like, you know what? I really like Dodo. I'm resonating with her. And they must have been screaming because of this. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine if they pulled this off today? Just like, would people be screaming? Or like, do you think at that time, they probably wouldn't really care that much? Maybe they wouldn't have they wouldn't have cared so much, but like in retrospect, that just shows you how much this episode has not aged. Like, yeah. oh my god, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like, it's like the Rebel Flesh. Amy's like, Amy's like, I don't feel so good, Doctor, and then she just kind of leaves, and then you watch the entirety of the Almost People, and then at the very end of the Almost People, <laughs> Rory shows up and he's like, Hey, I just talked to Amy, and she's like, Go on ahead. So we're just gonna go do that. And the Doctor's like, All right. And then Rory and Rory and the Doctor just kind of troll off um, into the great unknown. <laughs> Which, I mean, come on. <laughs> Can you imagine? Amy Pond fans would be screaming. Just like, yeah. what? I can't believe it. Anyways, so. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, that's they literally did that. They did that. And apparently this is because Innes Lloyd was just like, I don't want any of that emotional crap in my stories. Like, I don't want to give these guys a farewell. Because apparently Dodo's contract was up two episodes ago, so they were just like, well, we're writing her out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so so that that, that happens. Um, and the Doctor's kind of pissed, but he goes into the TARDIS, and Ben and Polly are like, well, he's a grump. And then they're leaving, and then all of a sudden they're like, wait, we have to go back for a minute. And they run back into the TARDIS and get managed to get inside just as it takes off uh, to their next adventure. And that's and there it. there you go. There you go. That's that's the War Machines. Um, very slight story with the ballsiest companion departure I think I've ever seen. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm still in shock. I, I've seen this. I saw this story almost a year ago for the first time, and I'm still in shock. Like, I still get huge laughs out of, well, <laughs> at least you got a better ending than Dodo. <laughs> also, I think I'm just going to karate chop insolent people at work. <laughs> I think I think that's just that's gonna be my new move. That's the best part. Ah, I agree. <laughs> Anyways, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, uh, before we move on, I want to remind you that today's episode was brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from your local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off. This month with Punisher Number 1 by Greg Rucka for $0.99 cents and Angel and Faith for $0.74. Cents. And regular discounts of 40% off, uh, plus pre-order your collected editions, save 50% off those. Ship as often as you like, with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay five ninety five in flat, flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Next week, The Idiot's Lantern. <laughs> oh, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not. At least it's just a one-parter, though. Yeah, thank God. It could be worse. It's only 40 minutes. Well, 
Well, we'll get to talk about some more David Tennant, which is, I guess, fun. Maybe if it was a better story, I'd be more excited. But yeah. This is just one of those, like, I can just tell, like, there's just stories that are just going to be like, oh, just get through this one. Question. Hmm? How many times would you say has the doctor climbed up a radio tower of some sort? I don't know, but I'm not interested in it unless he's standing next to a war machine and it's in an elevator. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, not, like, he does it again in the next season in, like, Daleks. Like, he does the same thing in yeah. the next season. I can literally name four times off the top of my head. Like, uh, Logopolis, yep. Idiot's Lantern, Daleks yep. in Manhattan, and uh, uh, just recently, what was that? Was it The Almost People? Vampires in Venice. Oh, no, he did it in Almost People, too. Oh, and Vampires in Venice. Oh, my God. <laughs> so often does he climb up radio towers. This is this is why we have the doctor to climb those places. Uh, yep. Geez. So the idiot's lantern next week, and then we're doing uh, a story called the Terror of the Zygons, which is a fourth Doctor story, uh, which should be interesting. And then we're finally back to more Davison with Four to Doomsday. Thank I know it's been for a while, but it's coming. oh my god, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then on the on the other side, just to give you guys a heads up, because if you are not watching Classic Who and want to see some really crazy good Classic Who, uh, I'm just teasing this because uh, we were gonna do it after Four to Doomsday, but there's no way that's happening. Uh, but after Four to Doomsday, we're doing the Mind of Evil, which is a Pertwee story, a Pertwee master story. So we're finally getting to talk about some Delgado. Uh, but right after Mind of Evil, we're gonna be discussing the War Games, which is going to be massive. Um, it's going to be huge and epic. And if you've never watched Classic Who, uh, the War Games is actually not a bad place to start because it is Troughton at his absolute best, and it is epic and it exciting. Is, it's and actually it's actually a terrible place to start just because it's ten episodes long. <laughs> but see, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I just maybe not for I just starting had that point. Extra, not for I don't know because I was watching it and like. Three episodes in, I cannot stop watching that story. I know, like, but how much how much had you watched crack. before that at that point? Not that much. Not that much. Maybe 11, 12 stories? That's enough, though. You didn't start Fair with point. it. Fair point. But if you're not watching along with us, what's the point? Come on. Watch some classic Who. Yeah. Enjoy. Have yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because the War Games, man, that's The War Games fun. is excellent, but I'm just, oh, I'm it's, just saying. I'm, it's, it's 10 it's episodes. It's in my top five classic stories classic stories of all time like it is you cannot beat it like you just you cannot beat it the only way to beat the war games is to do caves of Angelani or be robert holmes like that's how you beat it it's it's ridiculous how good war games is so that's coming up it's actually we're gonna do i think we're gonna do like a maybe not a marathon podcasting session although i kind of want to just to see how crazy that gets oh, but God. uh <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna release it as two episodes because it's gonna end up being like four hours long um, because it's just such a massive story, but it's oh my god, do I love the war games? And I'm so excited to watch it again. So excited. Yeah, me too. Awesome. I haven't seen it in like two years. Oh god, it's after after the classic Who that you've watched. You're just gonna you're gonna watch it in one sitting, and like you don't believe me, but it's true. <laughs> Because, God, the first time I watched it, I watched, like, the first two episodes, and I was just like, oh, this is pretty good. And by the time I got to the start of the third one, I just could not stop watching. I, despite myself. I was, I, I was insane. I watched the whole thing in an afternoon. It was nuts. Anyways, that's awesome. enough for review. 
All right. Well, um, let's see. What else What else we got coming up on uh, Geek Show? We've got new episode of Soundcheck this week. Um, audio blogs that have been out so far or since the last time we recorded. Uh, we did a review of Green Lantern, uh, the movie with yep. Ryan Reynolds. And uh, there's also been a lot of Summit City Comic Con coverage um, that I threw mm-hmm. up there. Uh, interviews that I did with a couple of um, comic book artists and writers so uh, go check that out um and then uh, movie night at geek show cloverfield uh which is an episode that we're all very proud of um that I'm, came out I recently episode. yeah it came out really good uh that came out last week the fall our listener pick um comes out uh this week and uh, next month is blockbuster month so yay blockbusters so excited yeah i know it's gonna so be fun excited. it's gonna be fun um, so yeah, so definitely check out those podcasts. Um, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash gungadin. I also tweet from an alternate Twitter account, which I did. So I saw, I saw, I was proud. Yeah. I slow clapped. Yeah, thank you. Thank I you. Slow clapped. Uh, I think I broke tweet deck though. Like I started with like a string of five tweets. It just broke tweet deck. Um, uh, so, so I did that. I watched The French Connection, which was a very good movie and had kind of a really insanely good chase scene. Um, and I love me a good chase scene. Um, anyways, you can also find me at my classic Doctor Who blog. Uh, last week, my girlfriend Cassandra, hello Cassandra, uh, she reviewed uh, The Ark, which is a very weird, um, only weird because it's a very, it's kind of a strange story. Uh, 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 Hartnell story with Dodo and Steven uh, that is it, it, it's, it's really interesting I don't want to say why but when you get to the halfway point you'll kind of understand because at the second episode it kind of takes a mad left turn which I love um, she reviewed that it turned out really cool uh, this week <laughs> this week I'm reviewing a Dalek story called Death of the Daleks by Terry Nation it's the last Pertwee Dalek story and oh my god the great first episode and then just becomes a Terry Nation fest, which is, in my view, unfortunate. Um, so that look for that sometime this week should be should be cool, uh, and that's that's what's coming up this week on Classical Gallifrey, where I'm talking about classic stories. We're almost halfway. That's the shocking part. Like I'm almost halfway done with this blog, which is nuts. Wow. Yeah, I'm. I'll be announcing it here when I'm at the halfway point. But I know what the halfway point is, and it's kind of. I don't know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> All right. Um, you can find me uh, twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, my alternative Twitter account, which I rarely use now um, just because I have no time. Uh, twitter.com slash Scott Commentary. I need time. I, I, need, time I need to do something. I need to live tweet something. I, I say at some point, and I don't know when this is going to happen, but we should do a tweet, tweet a thon of uh, the case of Androzani because why not? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'd be into that. Especially since it's our last episode. <laughs> yeah. And we're never talking we're not talking about it for like four or five years. Yeah. <laughs> Looking better now because Doctor Who oh, got postponed for twenty twelve, oh so four or five years. Yep. <laughs> I love how you say it so nonchalantly. You're like, Yep, four or five years. Yep. No, that's what I figured out, man. We have two hundred stories to talk about, like, and not even that's not even that's not even counting them properly because I'm counting Trial of the Timeline as one. But we're talking about two hundred stories, and we're on store. Well, Florida Doomsday is our twentieth. Well, so. that's not even counting um, the occasional uh, uh, McGann audio adventures we want to cover. 
Oh yeah, because we gotta cover we gotta cover some of those. Yeah, yeah. Just to seasons be fair, seasons of fear. Just to be seasons fair. of fear. Yeah. True fact. So good. True fact. Oh, so good. <laughs> but yeah, we'll 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 also be covering those. Um, but but yeah, we got <laughs> we got plenty of content. We're not even ten percent of the way done talking about these. Wow. Can you believe that? Man. Not even ten percent. That's so awesome. I love Doctor Who. <laughs> fifty years, man. Fifty years. We're only like a year and a half away from fifty years. Yeah, it's, it's true. Insane. It's true. It's insane. Uh, all right, guys. We will. Uh, we'll talk to you next week with the Idiot Slender. See you guys. Bye. Bye.